podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, the shark bait has such teeth, dear, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Heath, babe, and it keeps it up. So welcome everybody to another episode of Macklin's Take with me, Andy Clark, and Matt Macklin, keeping you company as always. I'm in Forest Gate in East London. Macklin is in Solihull. Uh, times have changed a bit since we last spoke to you. There have been some changes in the current situation, but we're not going to get into those because the last couple of weeks we have discussed the the situation with regard to boxing around the coronavirus and what may or may not happen over the next couple of months, really. Uh, And it was the right time to do it. You know, we had a good chat with with Coogan, uh, Cassius, and and also with with Craig Richards, so getting a media point of view and and also a fighter's point of view. But I think now is the time, really, just to get back into some good old reminiscing, some good old boxing chats, some escapism, if you like. And we had an idea last week... um, I mean, we do have some ideas on Macklin's take <laughs> every now and again. Some of them are even good ones, and, and this one we we're convinced that this is a that this is a winner, and this can put some wind in our sails for the for the next few weeks, and will will always be a subject we can return to. And what we're going to call it is is make or break, because what we're going to do is get fighters on to talk about fights they had during their career, which were exactly that, which were make or break the kind of fights that had they not won them uh, at critical stages, then they wouldn't have gone on to have had the careers and the, in most people's eyes, bigger wins that they went on to have. Because these kinds of fights we're talking about, they're not necessarily the ones that would have been for the biggest titles on the biggest stages or for the biggest money. But in many ways, they were the biggest pressure. Because without them, as I say, the rest of the story in a lot of cases, will probably never have been told. Sometimes they're rebounding from a defeat and looking to try and prove that they were what people thought they were. Other times it'll be a fighter stepping up to a new standard, a new level for the first time and proving that they can, that they can handle it. And, and not every fighter has these kinds of fights on their, on their record. It just kind of depends how your career goes. But if you achieve some longevity in the sport, if your match pretty tough, if you've had a real career and you have a real record, then you will have had at least one of these. And the, the ideal man uh, for this job joins us for the first one um, because he's had, by my, rec- by my reckoning, when I look at his record, he's had four of these. We'll probably pick on two in particular. Uh, and he's somebody who's, who's retired recently, but he's somebody who me and Matt would always talk about when we talked about real records. Uh, and it's Anthony... Million Dollar Crawler. Anthony, I thought, I thought I'd probably better give you a lengthy intro to give you time to recover from the unexpected shock, which was my wife singing Million Dollar Baby at you a few minutes ago, which um, I think it's fair to say you probably, you probably, you probably weren't expecting. But um, Well, she'll be pleased. She'll be pleased because um, I, I have to put up with that all the time. It's like... Um, she claims that she's got a good singing voice, but but you know, to be perfectly honest, she's pretty much tone deaf. Um, just making sure she's out of out of earshot. But with regards to the subject, 
you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? And, and, and Matt, you, you share the gym with, with Anthony for, for, a, for a period um, when some of these fights happened. And would you say it's true that, that we'll get onto the fights in particular in, in a second, but the most pressure you felt in your career maybe wasn't in those world title fights. Maybe it was in those earlier stages where you knew that a defeat really could have been absolutely fatal. Yeah, no, maybe um, those those fights early on in my career, without doubt, it was more nerve wracking than um, than the ones for what I always thought. Even uh, I think I, I had a, probably a few too many of those contests. I know we're going to talk about two, and um, there's probably one. There's probably one before the two that you're on about, um, which is you know, the difference between getting to the level that it's got to or not. Um, yeah, I had. Um, <laughs> I think yeah, I had uh, probably one or two too many. But um, no, without a doubt, the few times that when my career was on the line, and whether that be as a full-time professional or just continuing boxing full stop, to be honest. Um, but yeah, because I think once you become a world champion or you're fighting for a world title, you're at that level. Whereas you don't want to, you know. I think Matt will agree with me. And Matt, you, you lost early on in your career. When yeah, you I mean, you, yeah, you, I was going to just come in, actually. I, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I remember when Quiet came to join Joe. It was, yeah. um, I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong here, Andy, but I think uh, Frank Warren had given him his contract back and Anthony Farnell, who was his trainer, was basically only training Frank Warren promoted yeah. by it. So you got a kid who's an ABA champion who's lost a couple. I think it was a... A British title eliminator or final eliminator in Gary Sykes, and yeah. a talented kid. But he lost one early on. He was the event, so he yeah. was like a journeyman type guy. Then you know he's lost his second one. You know in a British title eliminator, and he's coming to Joe. His trainers basically said, "Look, can't train you anymore. You're not with Frank. Frank's giving his contract back." Like there's no one in there. No one would have said that Crawler was going to go on and do what he's done in boxing at that point. But I remember being with Joe at the time and. I'd gone with Joe uh, just before the Wayne Alcock fight, and you know I'd lost two fights at that point. I'd lost to Andrew Facey uh, early on in my career, first time rounder, and I'd lost to Jamie Moore, you know, in a great fight. But I'd lost again at the title level. So I remember going into that Wayne Alcock fight, and that was more nerve wracking to me than fighting Golovkin yeah, on my team. Because at that point, you know, you've, you've to a degree you've made it, you've made, you've you've achieved the like British European champ, yeah. British European champion. You know, world top challenge, you've earned a few quid, blah, 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 blah. Do you know what I mean? Where going into the Wayne Alcock fight, I remember thinking, you know, if I lose this fight, I'm obviously not as good as I think I am. And, yeah. that, and I didn't have enough money to, 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 at all, didn't, nowhere near enough money to sort of fall back and do anything. I'd have been getting a job on the Monday, do you know yeah. what I mean? Because I, would have, I wasn't going to hang around. You know, at that level, uh, I, you know, I was I turned pro because I wanted to become world champion and make a million or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, that that just didn't appeal to me. Boxing was too hard, or too much into it for me not to get to the top. So I remember going into that Alcock fight thinking, if I lose this, that's it. You know what I mean? So and that was so, so for me, it was a lot more nerve-wracking than when I'm fighting Golovkin, who obviously is a much better fighter. Really, I've, I've fought for the world title a couple of times already. I've banked a nice few quid. I've invested. Do you know what I mean? So I remember Crowley coming in with Joe, and I 
And I remember those fights that you took. I mean, I think it was Andy Morris, Michael Brody. These things were like 50-50 type fights. You know, maybe you were the underdog. And I remember that period of time. And I thought, you know, I can imagine, you know, because like I say, I'd been there and I know what it's, I thought, I can imagine the anxiety and the nerves and the, you know, the fear of failure because, you know, you've got a, you've got a young kid here who's a talented kid, who's an ABA champion, he'll have his hopes and his dreams and his aspirations and, you know, he, 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 I don't know how old you are, 23 or 24, and he's lost a couple of fights at this level. Yeah. You know, he, he, his career is on the line here in these fights. So I'll just um, I'll just take you through um, a little bit of a timeline. So you had an early defeat against Yusuf Alhamadi, but that's the kind of defeat that you can that you can shake off. It, it happens sometimes. Uh, then in May two thousand and nine, Matt referred to it. You boxed Gary Sykes in a in a final eliminator for the British Super Featherweight title. Lost on points over over ten rounds. It was after that I think that you parted company with Anthony Farnell and hooked up with with Joe. Now now the Andy Morris fight is one in particular that 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 stuck out to me. But but there is that Brody fight, and that's in November 2009. Uh, Brody, 36-3-1 at that point. He'd lost to uh, Scott Harrison most recently, um, Injin Chi, um, uh, Jorin as well, but still a, still a very a very good fighter. Did, did you feel at that point that your back was right up against the wall in that fight against Brody? Yeah, without a doubt. I believe that, you know, if, if it was to lose then, if it was to lose that fight then, it would have been very hard for me to continue. And you know, Matt said it then, I did. I was under Frank Warren and to be fair, I think my contract had ended. And there was talk about, you know, we'll get you on a show and that. But I thought that I just needed I needed a fresh start and I thought like with you know, Hatton promotionally wise, with Hatton promotions, there was a lot of Manchester based shows. And I liked, you know, what what we was doing at the time and stuff like that. So I thought, you know, I, I need to, and obviously, like Matt said, um, Andy Farnell only trained for Amor Fighters. So that's, you know, we, we hooked up with Joe, I hooked up with Joe. And um, I literally, I think I joined, the night you beat Asakainen, Matt, was my first fight for Joe. I boxed in a four-rounder. That's right. I called John Badler. Uh, I was just in a four-rounder. It was like, it was that few weeks notice. So I had... I probably worked with Joe for about 10 days before the fight. Um, and then after that, then obviously the, the Michael Gutmann, he'd made a comeback. He'd, he'd won his comeback fight um, a month or too early on. And uh, that was put to us. And you know what it was? It was like, listen, I'm, I'm never going to sit here now and pretend that was the same Michael Broder who, who fought, you know, Willie Yorings, he fought. You're in Gene Cheese. I'm, ne- I'm never in a million years going to say that. For me, Mike Sumner has set massively. And he's someone who I think is one of the best British fighters never to have won a world title, you know, a genuine world title. But it was sort of put on me. And obviously, we were both with the hands. And Mike had said yes to it. So it was like, well, I had to. And obviously, we're from a similar area. So I couldn't not really, you know what I mean? I couldn't not really have the fight. It wasn't like a... It was a fight that I did for. And we was even without that fight, and I tried to go out there and win. Or if that was the end of my career, basically. Because if I would have lost three times in this, you know, so, so early on in my career, and again, that was that. But one of them was a journeyman. One was eliminated for a British. And Mike, who's certainly seen better days, 
it's like it's like Matt said. I was it was just too hard of a job to be like trying to sweep around you know for and this is in no way disrespect to like try and win area titles or even try and win English titles, which yeah, I think is a great achievement. But I wasn't in the sport for that. I wasn't in the sport for that. And obviously there was a good that fight. There was a lot of local sort of you know rivalry. I mean, I've always got on with Mike and likewise. But there's obviously there's a lot of talk. There's people who would have come to watch me fight who bought tickets to him, and, and likewise would have bought tickets to me who would have gone to Bodie fight. So it was a uh, it was sort of very, very strange, strange, but um, it's like without a doubt, there's more pressure on me for that fight than probably up there, up there, all specialized had on there. Hey, hey, ki- hey, kids. Hey, everybody, sitting here with a famous Slovenian philosopher. How are you doing, sir? I am uh, in health, thank you. Are you uh, excited about something? I am excited about this latest uh, CIA-funded venture. A CIA venture? Yes. It's called the Desire and Capital Podcast. Oh, what is it about? I refuse your fascist question. Well, there you have it. Listen to the Desiring Capital Podcast, coming soon to a bourgeois platform near you. On your marks, get set, go! But you got the win in that fight, um, and then you ticked over really with with three. Um, yeah. That, well, they were just that they were tick over fights against Jason Nesbitt, Sid Razak, and, uh, and Chris Riley, and then came the fight against against Andy Morris. Now this is October two thousand and ten, and this chimes in perfectly with what you were just talking about because, as you said, your ambitions were always to go higher than the likes of English title level. But this fight was for a vacant. English super featherweight title. Uh, Andy Morris, again, he's another Manchester fighter, Withenshaw fighter, 19-3. and three. He'd also been in with Gary Sykes for the vacant British title um, about six or seven months before you fought him, uh, and it was a narrow defeat. So that kind of form guide suggested that you were fairly evenly matched. But, but again, this, this is another absolute make-or-break fight because having fallen short in a final eliminator or an eliminator for the British... If you then fall short again for an English title, then, you know, it's all on the line again here. What, what, what are your memories of this one? I mean, firstly, how, how, how did the fight come about? I can, I can remember it. I can remember it really first, to be honest. I, um, with, with it, like, Andy has been British champion. He defended it at featherweight and then he moved up to super featherweight. Um, and, like, it's... A lot of people probably thought he could have got the decision that night. It was very close, you know, with Gary Sykes for the British title. So I know the, the, the board put it out, you know, to first bid for me and Andy for the English title. And um, and to be fair, it was like, he's a very good English title fight, I thought. You know, because, you know, you see some lads and some of them say, oh, you, you know, you've got a tough one there, you know, in an English title fight. And that's in no way disrespectful to English title. Do you know what I mean? And Andy, uh, I'm not, you know, Matt will tell you, and you know yourself, Andy. I'm like, I'm a bit of a boxing anorak, and I've, I'm not just saying it. Like, I actually boxed Andy's cousin. In my first amateur fight, I boxed Andy's cousin. Um, so Andy was someone, honestly, I always looked up to Andy. You know, as an amateur, because he was he was a Manchester lad. He'd, he'd win national titles. He'd, um, he had a great style. And a, Matt, did he win the ABAs the same year? You did it, Barnsley. 
No, it was uh, the year after me. Year after you, right? He yeah. beat Femi, beat Tola, didn't he? Yeah, he beat Femi. He beat Femi, and uh, he went. He went to the Commonwealth Games. So I went to watch him in the Commonwealth Games. That's exactly um, 
my thinking really when I was thinking about this as a as a topic, and there are, there are plenty of other fighters who've had these kinds of of fights, but this is for me this is where the real the real pressure is. It's it's almost when you're talking about football to use a to use another analogy. People talk about the pressure at the top of the league, but but the really crippling pressure is down at the bottom. That that's where it really really hits home because as Matt said previously, if you're up at the top then you've already achieved something by, by getting there. If you're down at the bottom, then it might be the start of things for you and you desperately want the journey to continue. Yeah. But you know that with another defeat, as you said, you, you're probably going to have to go and get a job. And, and this dream that you've had since you were, since you were so young is, is over. Of with, 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 yeah. that, with that in mind, when, when you're walking to the ring for, for that fight with Andy Morris, you know all of this. You've just, you've just taken us through it. Is that nerves are an interesting thing? You know, fear is, is your friend, as Matt often says. But as Customato used to say, you know, fear is like fire. If you can control it, it can heat your house, it can cook your food, it can bring you light. But if you can't control it, then it will burn your house down. I mean, what, what was the yeah. level of nerves like going to the ring? Well, do you know what? I remember, like, they walk into the ring and I was, I was very nervous. At that point, I've like, not had too many fights on Sky. And that was, you know, cameras were sort of in your face. I've always owned, like, an English title fight. There was, there was cameras sort of following you. And I remember thinking the nerves was there, but in the back, in the back of some miles, thinking it, it's up there throughout my career, the most determined that I've ever been in my life. I think I'm not leaving this ring, you know, not not getting my hand raised. I like, I will give absolutely everything to make sure I get my hand raised in this fight. Um, and I thought that was what I had to do because it got to the point where I thought, obviously, there's nerves, but I thought. Listen, this this might be the last time you do this war. This might be the last time. Like I said, I didn't even in the end of the thing, I wasn't even moaning about making weight because I thought it could be the very last time I do it because if I lose this fight, I'd, I'd say I might have carried on, but I wouldn't have been a full time professional. You wouldn't have been a full time professional. You start earning a wage somewhere else. You think, you know what, it's a bit easier doing this. And that's what might have happened. Hey everybody, this is Moto G Pete from the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast. Join us every week while we rate, review, ride, philosophize, and generally obsess over every single motorcycle make, model, and style that could possibly exist, plus news and racing. That's the Nokomoto Motorcycle Podcast from Moto One Podcast Network Studios. And you mentioned Joe as well in the build-up, and we spoke yeah. to him briefly about about this fight. And, and how was he from a kind of psychology point of view? Because one thing he said to us was he said, oh, one of my favourite wins was, was Crawler beating Andy Morris. You know, people wrote us off yeah. in that fight. We were supposed to lose that fight. Nobody wanted us to win that fight. And, and, and I'm listening to it and thinking, I wasn't there. So I was listening to it and just thinking... Is that right, or is is it is this classic Gallagher kind of siege mentality? I mean, was that the feeling you had too that you were, you know, that that people would have preferred it if he'd won that fight? Mate, do you know they what? Probably, they like probably like did for a time, Joe. But they probably did for a time. Probably was training for Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I just yeah. No, Matt just hit the nail on the head before. Oh, we're not dealing with him. So if you get seized, one less fight off. But because I remember at the time, and and listen, and and I get it, like because on the front row, uh, Ricky wasn't here at the time. You know, he had things away, um, away from boxing, uh, so he wasn't there that night. And 
he, I remember sort of on the front row when there was Matthew, and I'm, I'm mates with Matthew, uh, it was his mum and dad, and, you know, they, they've always been great with us. Like, since, you know, got to know them and it's nothing but, like, they was all cheering for Andy because they shared, <laughs> shared the gym with him. And uh, I said he, he, was just, he just knew him a lot better than they knew me, so obviously there was, there was one in Ashley <laughs> to, uh, to win. But, like, Joe had, like, made it proper personal. And I remember him dropping the C-bombs, you know, in the corner, and he got caught on the, uh, he got caught on Sky Television. And I always remember going in. And um, someone from Matter Promotions at the time, Gary, I, he, like, this was a few days after the fight, and uh, he just said, he said, listen, he went, Joe can't be saying that on television about us. And I was just like, wow, wow, Joe. <laughs> well, I was, you know, like, it's just, it was just bad, but I think in the build what, what, what did he say, these want you to lose? What's that? What did he say, these? These want you to lose. Yeah, yeah. They, they, these these C's won't give you another chance. You know what I mean? These were pointing there, and I'm thinking, "Wow, Joe, what are you doing?" <laughs> I thought I might have got a contract back on Monday morning, but fucking up the distance. But um, he like to say, and I got to get it. They used to obviously just to Andy more, and that's all it was. But um, but I remember but, in the world, but Andy, I suppose in, in modern day terms. You were the B-side in that fight. I was, I was, and I, I'm not, like, being unreal. Like, just being a realist, I was, because Andy, like I said, Andy had um, he'd been British champion, he's moved up. He could have arguably got the decision against Gary Stites, which, you know, it, was, it could have gone either way. Whereas, I'd not, I know I'd beat Brody, like, a, a, fight, a few fights earlier, but I didn't have the pedigree that Andy had as an amateur either, so... It, it did make sense. It did make sense, really, for Andy, you know, for Andy to win. And um, he was the bigger name, wasn't he? At the was, time? He was the bigger name, certainly. And, and you know, that, that's how it was. And like Joe mentions that, like in the build-up to it as well, he, he was on there. I remember one night in, in the gym, you know, with better bodies, Matt. He's a story of it. Might have told you. I remember us sparring, and, he, and I just won't get him some off. And this, this night, I'm <laughs> having a bad night sparring. Anyway, the water bottle, the water bottle went out the wall. The lot. <laughs> I'm just thinking, wow. You <laughs> know, what he got. It clicked at the end of that bar. It clicked at the end of that bar, really. But um, yeah, but but Joe, I think I was sort of like that mentality as well, sort of being underdog, writing, you know, being built off and stuff like that. And that last night, I certainly was the underdog, and you just nailed it. Then, like, I was, I was the B side, even though we were both under the same. Promoters as well. I was on the B side. Yeah, definitely. And I remember, did you go then quickly after that fight into the Watson fight? Yes. So after that, I, uh, it was like an eliminator. I was, it was, yeah, it was an eliminator. And then stop, was Morris, final you, you the eighth round. Sorry? Stop handling in the eighth round, was it? You know what? I should know that. I don't know if it was seven the seventh. Or seventh. It might have been seven because I was down on the card, but the plan went, you know, to perfection and. It was um, it was a it was a tough fight because I remember um, I was I was down on the cards and one one of the judges had me I think losing nearly everything but the plan was always there you know to chop Andy down and you know thankfully I landed I landed a good body shot and and that sort of set it off really but I remember the relief after we sort of see the way to celebrate and you know sort of Joe it it was one of those like. That was, you know, when we talk, we're talking about what we're talking about. It was, 
See the way I react. It's sort of the relief of thinking, wow, like the career's still going, do you know what I mean? The career's still alive. It's like the celebration is directly proportional to the nerves. Without a doubt, without a doubt. It was, um, I remember it, and uh, people remember, like, my dad's the most chilled out guy you can ever meet, really. You know, he don't get excited about much, and the mates will tell you that, but and he was even sort of in the background jumping about and, you know, spinning around. Like, he was, I think there's a lot of pressure on everyone. There was, um, there was a lot of pressure on everyone, and I think that that's what it was, I think. Wow, it was like the, the relief, the pressure off the shoulders to go again, and like you said, then it was. If that was then, I was going to have a final limit, but the John Watson fight come up. Yeah, that springboarded you, didn't it, into the Watson fight? Is that what you said? It was a lightweight. Yes. So, yes, a few weeks out, I was training. I was training because I was waiting on a date for an eliminator, a final eliminator. I think it was done by Carl Johansson. And, um, and then I got... The, David Reese pulled out at the time, so it was like less than two weeks notice. And um, it was less than two weeks ago. And, and Brian, uh, my Brian Peters spoke to Joe and he said, oh, there's a positive. And that, that was it. You know, he, Joe was phoned up and he said, he said about the fight. And I just, I was just like, I was young at the time as well. And I just said, you know, whatever you reckon best, Joe, I'll just go with. And, and that was it. That was a great week for you. I remember that, uh, that, that Southpaw move where you switched out yeah. working on that in the gym. And that's the shot that come off, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was one of the most satisfying wins of the career. That because again, you know, the, the way we finished it, we were working on that southpaw shot. Well, for you seeing it, and it just makes it all the sweeter. But I'd probably sparred with I sparred with John probably a few years earlier, and um, he was you know a bit bigger than me. He was a bit a bit stronger than me, and he he much got the better of the spar whether it was at Anthony Barnell's place. So I knew. It was probably similar in the Andy Morris fight where I just had this belief where I thought like, I've improved so much and you know the strength I, I feel so much stronger now. So I'm looking, it was sort of I'm looking forward to shocking them. If that makes sense. I think you would have had belief in Joe and you would have had belief in Joe's um, you know opinion and decision. And if he was keen for the fight, that made you feel comfortable, didn't it? Yeah, without, without a doubt, I did. I trust. I always, I always thought I trusted him. I think for the yeah, for the first time, you know, Joe was setting out plans and tactics uh, for me because they'd worked once or twice and, every, you know, what we was working on and then what we was working on, inspiring was coming off. I just, I just had total belief in him. I had total belief in him and he, he was like, he was telling me how we'd catch up with Andy and then also the John Watson thing. He said, we're going to get him down the street and he, he was like convinced it was going to be that shot and it wasn't that shot. It was it was that it was this kind of period of time, um, Andy, where Joe really kind of emerged as a top coach because before me he'd only had John Murray, yeah. you know, John had just won a British title. Then, you know, I'd, I'd you know been with Billy Graham for a few years and I left Billy had a couple of fights in America, a couple of training camps out with Buddy McGirt in America, just travelling there and back, the money and everything else didn't really work out. And I tried to yeah. with Birmingham with Woodall, but you know, it didn't really click for me. So it was like. You know, I took a chance then on, on Joe. I couldn't yeah. call him from Chester. I'd used better buddies, Jim. Kerry was a good friend. I'd had yeah. the apartment there, which I bought before the Jamie Moore fight. So, you know, I went, I went my first fight with Joe was going into the Alcock fight, and then the yeah. next fight was that's a coining. Like you say, yeah. back when Anthony had his first fight with Joe on that. You know, then over the next period of time, Anthony's put a few wins together. 
then he beats Brody, Andy Murray, then, yeah. then the Watson fight, and then I, you know, I, I fought at the coin at this point too. And, yeah, you know, I remember John Murray beat John Baxter as well. John was John was going well as well. Wasn't yeah, John, John was going well too. And, and I remember then when Paul Smith lost to James McGale on the yeah. um, in the Liverpool card, and I fought on that card and got a win, but I, I struggled. I, I shouldn't have fought for it. Had a cold. So I was with. Um, I was with uh, Joe at the time, and I remember saying, speaking with Paul after because Paul was like, you know, I, was like, I don't really want to retire. I'm young, but it, you know, it was definitely a thought he was thinking yeah. about it back then. And I said, uh, and I said to him, Paul, come, come and train with Joe. I'm telling you, he's good. He's decent. Get your yeah. you know, blah blah blah. And then Paul came, and then Stephen came, and then Liam came, and yeah. so that that really kind of cemented Joe as a top class trainer. But definitely, I think the the, the Al Kakanasa kind of win for me. But I think definitely where your career went with Joe in that sort of 18-month period, yeah. that really kind of put Joe firmly on the map. Yeah, with, with, without a doubt, like I say, because obviously, well, I knew I knew Joe from the amateurs, but I think, like you're saying, you, because the success you was having brought Paul, and obviously then Stephen come with Paul. But I remember when I found Stephen before... He come up, helped me out, Randy Morris. And then, if you remember, Stephen fought John Simpson. And um, I remember I travelled down to Liverpool. Again, the camera little brother, and we go down, you know, to return the favour. And um, they, he was saying to me, said, the improvement in you, you know, and, and I would say, really, I'd say, listen, it's down to Joe. And I think that's what, so I think, like you said, it was a great time, sort of, for the gym, you know, domestically. Um, and that, like you said, that really helped establish Joe as a trainer. And, I say it all the time, Matt, and uh, without making it about Joe. I mean, listen, Joe, Joe says some things that obviously rub people up the wrong way and he might bring things on himself, but when people say he gets lads given to him, like, I remember then. You you remember, Matt, there used to be, I remember, like, every second week or something, he was on shift work, and he used to have to go 48 hours without sleep or something. He didn't sleep. He had no bags you've ever seen under his eye. He literally oh. surviving on three hours sleep at night. Yeah, and then every like every third, I remember that it's probably on Wednesday or something. He'd come in in a right mood, but he'd not be on sleep. He'd go straight to the track and whatever, and you'd think nah, the most you know man I've he, ever met in my life. Yeah, it was like yeah, it was, uh, and that's it. And you think you know what? He put up with a lot of a lot of people would have walked at that point, wasn't there? Yeah, no, definitely. But but that period, you know, going back to that time, that period of time when you, I remember when you went up, when particularly that Morris fight, and then you bounced quickly to that Watson fight. Yeah, and that that to me, I know, I know, we've kind of talked about the Brody one and going in, and you know, very nerve wracking fight because you've got so much to lose, and Brody a big name, and probably someone you look up to as a kid. But yeah. certainly on the slide, let's say, or he, you know, he'd already about been about that But Andy Morris was a fuck. You know, nearly swore then. So it was definitely a 50-50 fight. And if anything, you were the B side. And then yeah. you look at the Watson fight, short notice, stepping off the lightweight. But I think that, if you look back in your career, that's probably a period, that, a two-fight little period there that people forget about that really, I think, just shut you onto another dimension. Oh, mate, without a doubt, I'd like, you know, you said that then. I remember that, that night sort of being a... In Wigan, me and my boxed in Wigan, and then I boxed on a few. I remember boxing on a non-TV show. I boxed Sid. Do you know what Sid Razak? Yeah. Uh, and then I remember, like, 12 months later, 
in Salford in Broughton, I think it was. Um, and it was a hat and show, but on TV one. And um, then I remember being in in Germany, you know, in Cologne. And I was I'd, I'd been offered to fight Eric Morales, right. and I was just remember thinking, wow, how did how did this happen? How did this happen so quick? Well, I was living at home. I was living in bunk beds with my little brother, and I was just thinking, wow, what's going on here?
Well, that's exactly all, all the reasons you both just listed there. That's that's exactly why that that Andy Morris fight just qualifies as as the the ultimate kind of make or or break fight. But but I, I did say at the start that that you've had more than more than one of these and. Although it seems a bit mean to kind of fast forward over subsequent success, you, you mentioned winning the title um, in your next fight. Uh, you booked at the MGM Grand, then you defended against Willie Limond, yeah. who again was someone you knew really well. At that point, you were absolutely flying. That fight against Limond was yeah. late 2011. People were talking about a fight with Ricky Burns for the WBO title. Yeah. And, and you took a defence in Oldham in April 2012 yeah. against Derry Matthews. Now, I remember this really well because this was my first yeah, main event commentating for Sky. And you were expected yeah. to win that fight. It didn't I go won. your way that night. Um, I think you probably still dispute the stoppage a little bit, but it didn't go your yeah. way. Derry boxed really, really well. Then you went yeah. into prize fighter, which was... Six months later, which you know, it was a very competitive field. It was, yeah, it was a shot to nothing in a way, but but it it didn't go your way. And then all yeah. of a sudden, you know, from from riding on the crest of a wave, you're in trouble. You're, you're in trouble again. And in December two thousand and twelve, you take another fight, which, which again was, it, it's not far off, if not the equal of the Andy Morris fight in terms of how important it was for your career, because you boxed Kieran Farrell at Bowlers in Manchester. Kieran was undefeated at the time, 14-0. and 0. Yeah. Again, this is for a vacant English title, this time at lightweight. Yeah. You're in the away corner. There's no TV. And again, it's all on the line. You've been a British champion. You were talked about as fighting for a world title. I mean, in the build-up to that fight, again, how did this one come about? And was there any part of you that was thinking to yourself, I'm here again. How am I here Me? again? Yo, I'm DK, co-host of the One Star Recruits podcast. My best friend Rip and I host five-star athletes, celebs, business leaders, comedians, and coaches from around the world. Each week, I can guarantee you the show will always have great laughs, catch up on life's in relatable ways, and have a ton of fun. We're recruiting you. We are the One Stars, which means we can ask the questions that no other podcast asks to guests like Joey Chestnut, Evander Holyfield, Bobby Hurley, Jenny Finch, Ryan Lochte, Montel Jordan, New guests every week, compelling interviews that you want to hear. Check us out wherever you get podcasts, One Star Recruits. Without a doubt, without a doubt, that fight was... Um, that, I, I honestly, I know Matt said it, Matt said it before, but I honestly had a job waiting for the morning for me. If I, if I lost that on the Friday night, I think it was. You're fighting to keep your career alive, aren't you? Without a doubt, it was it was an English title. I remember it was, I was on Dave Caldwell's show and Dave was with him. So again, I was, I was B-side. Although I'd done more, I was on the B-side because that it was I was in the away corner. Um, and Kieran at the time, I mean, you wouldn't have seen those kids. Kieran was a, a really, like, we had, we, had, we had a really good fight. I don't know if any of you have seen that. You've been great enough at this point, hadn't you, Anthony? You know what yeah. I mean? And, and generally speaking, you look at someone, he's had a last, he's come back, he's had a little run. Oh, now he's lost again, you know, yeah. at the level against Derry Matthews. But uh, he's, probably, he's probably leveled out now. That's probably it. And this is a crossroads fight because Farrell's on defeat. Quell has been there. And really, you're the beat side. You're the opponent. He's going to win. And Without you know, a doubt. You were a good name. You, you were the Michael Brody of his record to a degree. A little bit. That's how it's seen. But, and, and I've said this to Andy many times, and I've said it 
when you retire to say, yes, personally, you know, talk about an inspiration and a role model to, to young fighters that suffer a lot and a setback. Talk about um, perseverance personified. And, and that's what your career was all about. And that's, you, you had many of those nights, man. And the admiration I have for you, and me, because I know, I've, I had a few of them. Yeah. And I know, yeah. I, know, I know the soul searching. I know the character. I know the fear. And, you know, when you're fighting to keep your career alive. Yeah. You know, I know what their nerves and the fear is like, man. And it's, you know, you've done it many, many times. I've taken my hat off to you. Mate, no, thanks, honest, mate. You know, it means a lot to me from you. Like, Dave, it, it was, but that night, it was, it was, his year was meant to go on. He was, uh, he's fought in a few TV shows, but he was the un, undefeated kid and he was so confident. And again, there was a bit of, um, there was a little bit of needle. <laughs> again, that was more Joe. It was more Joe, but I remember, we was in the bowlers. Um, you've been to the bowlers, haven't you? And it was in December. It was absolutely Baltic. Um, it was, it was cold as a place as, you know, you can have, you can ever go in. And, um, I remember it was just it was just a real sort of bare pit, you know, that night, sort of to Manchester lads. And I think where Kieran was from in Haywood, where he's from in Haywood, I think the whole was, Haywood come out to support him as well. Do you know what I mean? But it was uh, it was one of those fights that it started very, very fast. It was, it was very strong, Kieran. It, uh, it worked on the roads. It worked on the roads. And um, then it, it'd gone over... Eight weeks before, he was working with John Breen, you know, at the time, John Breen and Eamon McKee. And I remember thinking the first few rounds, that doubt where, you know, where Pete's been to me, everywhere I thought, I was never a quit about a thought. Oh my God, you know, how strong you felt and I thought, oh my God, like, he, surely he can't keep this up or I'm in trouble and the career's over. And, and yeah. it was like I was said to ride this storm early on, but when you ride in any storm and, you know, you'll know. You know more of me, Matt. Like when you when you're riding a storm early on, before your body always finds the easiest way, doesn't it? So of course, before not that you ever think, oh, quit, but the easy way out's always there, isn't it? And he's coming at me, he's throwing the kitchen sink at me, and and that was it. There, where I thought, wow, I thought, out, surely he's got to slow down here, or I'm in trouble, and the career's over. Yeah, it's the spot. It's the spot. It's fight or flight, and it's. You know, yeah. the hero and the coward it's not, it's not yeah. actually, it's not and it's very easy to be a coward the fear and the doubt it's just what the hero does and what the coward doesn't do that makes the hero the hero and the coward the coward without the doubt. That, that internal dialogue all that self-doubt that's hitting you when he's coming on strong you're thinking oh no it's not my night he's, he, he, you start believing he's too young he's too fresh he's too strong yeah. oh, I have had my time and this is all all these conversations running around your head and then you've got the other conversation saying don't you dare quit Exactly, yeah, he's on, <laughs> he's on your, your shoulder on the other shoulder saying that. And what's the saying now? It's like, tiredness makes coward out of so many men, doesn't it? It's exactly. just like, wow, something along those lines. And it is, it, it's don't you dare, but that was it. Like, that was that was one of those nights where, you know, when I said as quick as it went from fighting from a career or fighting in a, in a leisure centre in Salford to being fighting over in Las Vegas. To then from that to then turn a massive U-turn to fighting on a non-TV show, fighting for my career with a job waiting for me Monday morning. I mean, Andy, you're the, when we and Andy spoke about doing this, when I, when I say you're the perfect person, 
I mean, I've, I've had, a, had a couple of those fights. I had, a pe- had those periods, without a doubt. I, yeah. I definitely didn't know and spoke. But, yeah, you had it time and time and time again. You know, I mean, to think when you were fighting in losing an eliminate against Gary Sykes, then losing to Derek Matthews, then you're in the prize yeah. fighter, which really is someone at the end of the career or trying yeah. to get him to that level. And then, and then to think that you went from there and you end up fighting uh, the likes of Lamachenko and uh, having reached White yeah. and Ares and Nippon took one in the first one and you know, a good fight in the second one. But yeah. you know, it's, it's just unbelievable. I mean, talk about, you know, you couldn't make it up. Yeah, I just, like, there is it's times, you know, where I, I always had you know, great belief in myself, Matt, but there is times, like, you know, when I think to that night at the bowlers and stuff like that, and I said it before, like, with Linares, especially, he was someone, because I was a massive boxing fan, he was always someone I loved boxing, like, I remember years before, like, you know, me and my mates going, oh, this guy come from Venezuela, and then it's mad, like, however many years down the line, I'm boxing him. It's very so. It was. It was. It was a crazy one, and I think. I think that's why now a little bit with boxing. I think I. I, I love boxing so much, but I think I'm just in, enjoying like not having that anymore. If that makes sense. I mean, that pressure. Yeah, the pressure. Horrible. It is. I think like now. I you know I'm in the gym. Every lot now at the minute, but obviously, you know, a good few times a week with the lads, and then I mean, with the amateurs, so I'm around boxing so much, and I still get that buzz. Not it, it might not be the same, but I still get the massive, you know, buzz and satisfaction out of it. But when I think back to that, it was just it was a mental ride, it was a mental ride, it really was like a madman ride from like, and then obviously, what you know, what went on to. Then the world title fight, the bad fight, you know, the fight. It was just, it was just one constant. It was just a run of madness, like a run of absolute madness. And I think, like now, I'm enjoying life just a little bit easier. I think, you know, without it. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm with you, man. People say to me, I said, not one beat. I mean, I'm actually loving boxing again and enjoying it again. Yeah, you know, you know that's that. You know, we talk about Joe thinking everyone's against him, and yeah. You know, I, I used to be a bit like that put myself into a corner thinking everyone wants me to lose it. But that's in my head, that's where I was. And maybe I used that to kind of, you know, yeah, that was some grit. But it's, you know, that even waiting for the fights and the setbacks and the camps and, uh-huh. and then losing. And then those, and then having those fights where, you, you know, you're supposed to win or maybe you're not supposed to win. The people yeah. who lose the fight. But if you lose, it's the end of the road. And, you know, it's not a world title fight. You, you, there's a lot of, you know, this is a bit of a, a fight down the card on someone else's card. Yeah. And if you lose this, you, 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 you're getting a job. And, you know, yeah. the pressure and the build-up and that. I don't, oh. miss, I don't miss any of that. Mate, without a doubt. I always say, I remember John saying it, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to enjoy these nights. You've got to enjoy these nights because boxing's a short career. You'll never get back. And you always try to live by that. And, and it is. But, like you said, there was just so many nights where pressure and, you know, the build-up through it all, the mate, and you know, training camps, training camps could be like, oh, that's what put the miles on the plot without a doubt, isn't it? The training camps and stuff like that, and I just, I think <laughs> it is. It's just, uh, it's, I brought a walkman here, everybody. So you get, you get lost with it, and I think then it, it affects, you know, it affects so many things outside the ring as well, doesn't it? Without a doubt. 
what it was about that 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 fight against Kieran Farrell particularly is it's just such an amazing illustration of of how brutal boxing is and and, and when you use the word yeah. brutal attached to boxing people think about the physicality of it but but for me it, it it's not that we expect that it's just how quickly you can you, the things can your circumstances can change your circumstances can change in, in in April of that year you were you were expected to beat Derry Matthews and then what was oh. next was probably a world title fight. But you lost to Derry and then there you are, as you say, in a freezing cold bowlers on a non-TV show in the away corner, knowing that if this doesn't go well for you against an undefeated fighter, massive ticket seller, as hungry as you could possibly get, if this doesn't work out for you, then you had a job waiting and that that was it. I mean, mentally, that is... I just wonder how that how that how that was because with the Andy Morris fight it was earlier on but but this time it's it's a second time around I mean were you able to kind of feed off that use that experience from the Morris fight of course but but in the back of your mind you you, in the back of your mind you must be thinking maybe did this like this how 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 am I doing this again I've already done this once I shouldn't be doing this again yeah I don't know if you stand by that point but without a doubt it's sort of would be in good stead because I thought it was sort of learning listen don't panic because you've been here before and you've come through it but even in, in other fights like after the two Lenares fights like, I think that I fought for the best prizes in the sport for a ring man room belt against him first fight by like Matt said earlier I pushed him close you know the right man but I pushed him close second fight he beat me very well beat me very convincing but after that then I fought Ricky Burns and I thought in my head I was like well I've got to win this because if not, we've both got aspirations of being a world champion again or fighting for world titles. And I thought, and it was in no way disrespect to Ricky, no way. You know, he did it out three ways, but I thought, if lost to an Irish, like now lose to Ricky, my, my world title days are over. So, in a way, that was another one. And because I'd, I'd been to those, I've been at those heights, I thought, I don't want to go back to fighting for, you know, you, Andy, you're much, you're on a much lower level. 
and they were 100 percent right. I know exactly where you were in your mind for that fight because I, I yeah. can imagine it. But I can I'll bet you a, bet you any amount of money you were nowhere near as nervous for that fight as you was for the you know the Andy Morris one and the Kieran Farrell one because at that point in your career you'd been a world champion, you'd made a nice Without career, a doubt. you'd had a great career. If it did end after the Ricky Burns fight, you'd have been happy with your career. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Where, content, that was it, yeah. yeah. I was the, nervous the Kieran Farrell and the yeah. uh, Andy Morris one, that wouldn't have been the case. No, I would have been massively unsatisfied thinking I should have done so much more. Do you know what I mean? I should have done so much more. And, you know, going into them and after those first few losses, it's like I was thinking to myself, you know, a few times, I don't know if yours changed that far. Do I think I'm better than I am? Or do I think I'm better than I am? Do I, am I setting my stand? Am I not being realistic? Should I... Should have been aiming for a British title, which is a great achievement, but I think coming to win a British title, but should I be aiming for that? Should I be happy and content, you know, if I get a British title? Because there's plenty of other fighters who don't, but I think whether it's a few times, you know what I believe it does? I think those early fights like that, I think it makes you stay strong for your plans because I think it starts without sounding cheesy. Like you can, someone tell you, you think, I'm dreaming a bit too big here. I'm a dreaming to big be realistic and uh, at times at times it's a very fine line between believing in yourself when no one else does and being deluded. Oh, without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. And, and, and I've questioned yeah. myself before, let's say that and, and as as you will have, and that's what you're talking about, isn't it, right now? But before the outcome, I thought you know, if I lose this fight, I'm obviously yeah. not as good as I think I am. Yeah. Yeah, you no, know, that's it. Yeah. Because he's a fine line between, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson said, didn't he, a cha- champion has to believe himself, even when no one else does. But yeah. that, that self-belief and that, that kind of stubbornness of self-belief and being deluded, it, at times, that is a fine line. Yeah, no, it is. And, and you listen, you listen to some people, and that's why I never, and when, when I hear some people come out, and, and you kind of think, oh, you're absolutely deluded, but I think, well, at one point in my career, they would have said the same about me, but I would have said it. Yeah. So yeah, let's absolutely. just let's just have a quick a quick word about that Gavin Reese fight because you mentioned that earlier on, and that was the the fourth of the four that I'd kind of picked out. Yeah. And th- this for me was such an interesting fight because you you beat Kieran Farrell. Kieran suffered an injury and couldn't box again after that, but he's done great things as a as a promoter. That's been yeah. been, been tremendous to see. Uh, at the end of March, you boxed in Liverpool against Derry Matthews at a rematch on a on a Sky yeah. on a Matchroom show, uh, and then three months after that, almost to the day, um, I think by that point you had signed with Matchroom. You topped the bill in Bolton, no. and, and you took a fight with Gavin Rees, um, former world champion. Yeah. It, it just lost to in his previous fight, lost to Adrian Broner for the WBC title, yeah. but no shame in that. Broner was absolutely flying, and I remember when I heard about that fight. Thinking to myself, yeah. whoa, that is that that is punchy. Like taking that kind of fight on, I thought you yeah. maybe didn't really need to do that, but you did it. Um, so how did that come about? Well, you were top of the bill, as I said. You just yeah. you just come on board as a as a matchroom no, fighter. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't a matchroom fighter at the time. Oh, not by then. No. Okay, well that meant yeah. Again, he, I was I was the opponent. I was the opponent when um, when I boxed Gavin. It took place B-side in Bolton. Again. Call you Andy B-side crawler. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, Jesus, fingers. 
coming out first all the time. I never, I was always in that away corner. But yeah, no, when I when put a Gavin, so Gavin was a match room fighter. He'd just come off the Broner, and that was when Broner was absolutely flying, wasn't it? So we just fought Broner. But so people think we've been talking about once before, um, and with, with Gavin Reed. Joe was always mad for that fight for me. He always liked that fight for me, whereas, like you said, it was it was ballsy, really. And there's a lot of people who thought that's very, you know, that's a very, very risky fight, it's, uh, especially just after the, the, the Derry rematch. Um, and I probably, I don't know, I needed to take it, but it was it was an opportunity. It was an opportunity being that far. Well, if, if a big Gavin which I believe I can do, which I don't think I can, then I can then be in the mix. I can be in the mix for a um, world title fight. And, you know, I can be where... If that puts me on the path, that where I want to be is just boxing number one in the division at the time. So, you know, it puts me on the path where I where I want to be, really. But it was it was put to us. And, um, yeah, I, I wasn't a matching fighter, but that night it seemed like I was the whole fighter just because... Yeah, Eddie put the show in Bolton, but yeah, Eddie, um, Eddie was there with Gavin that night. It's like I say, it's it was for a vacant WBO Intercontinental that one. But Gavin before yeah. he before he boxed Adrian Broner was was European champion. He was he was British champion. Yeah. So it was, uh, and he's a former world champion. So it was, you know, it was a big it was a big step up. And and when when it got to the end because it was tight uh, as a majority decision. When, yeah. when it got to the end of the fight, were you, were you confident you would get it? Because as you said, you were you were not the house fighter. I I um, I can't say I was confident because I wasn't the house fighter, but I thought I'd, I'd just done enough. But without so what I skipped then, I remember with that fight how it come around as well. It got offered to me, and uh, my partner was like pretty heavily pregnant, and that that allowed me to the the, the wage from that fight would sort of be a deposit for my house. You know, would, would would be a good part of the deposit for the house. So I thought, well, I've got to take that up then. I'm sort of going back a bit here, but it was, I knew if I got that, with that fight with Gavin Reed, it was the opportunity. I thought the beat Gavin, it puts me on that path. But more importantly, at the time, it allows me to get a deposit for, you know, for a house. But then it also, if I beat Gavin, there's a good chance that I'll get a contract with Matchroom, which would then, you know, there's another fight on the end of that because you've got a family to provide for now. So that was that's when I say was it the most important win in my career because that enabled me to to do that. I don't know because then I would have had no choice because in the past where being a full time professional, I didn't really have bills or family to provide for. Whereas I was going to now, I was going to um, always have to do that now because I had a little boy on the way. So it was. It's that, like, you know what? Happened? That's that's why it all happened for you because even though you had setbacks. You kept going, and then that fight came up with Anthony, uh, with Gavin Reed. And instead yeah. of thinking, "Oh, what if I lose?" You thought, "What if I win?" You yeah. said it could be great. You, you, yeah, you, you looked, at the, you looked at the opportunity. Not, uh, oh, what if I lose? You didn't let the fear get the better of you within the decision-making process. You thought, "What have I got to gain? Not what have I got to lose. What can I gain from this, this yeah. opportunity?" And you're there to be great, you know. And that's why you did go on and achieve everything. Yeah, I think you know Joe always to me that the risk has got to be worth the reward and, and that was certainly the, the case and it was you know I was big underdog that night but is it, there's risk he was confident I could pull it off but and that was different and it sat in a way it half, half changed my life 
I had never been so tired. I remember that night when you can't sleep, sort of, generally. And I remember I was mad with, with you, Box Golovkin, the same night. And I remember, um, I remember just, you know, staying up. But I was, you know, when you have those hard fights, I was literally just shaking on the couch, you know, to stay up to watch you. And like, what you, but it, it, it was one of those, but it was, it made, it made all the, it seemed like everything, I was on top of the world, but it was also, I was battered, you know, my body was battered, I felt battered. You could say exhausted, but yeah, exhausted, that adrenaline yeah. going through your body, you're wired to the moon. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what it was, that's exactly what it was, you're getting no sleep, I remember shaking and, you know, a lot of my mates went back to, you know, the pub near us. And I remember, like, one of the only times you, I went in and I was said, you know, you made up to see family and friends, but, you know, they're grabbing you and all that, and you got stitches in your head and stuff like that, and you're just thinking, I want to be alone here. I just want to be alone. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> well, I saw a good quote the other day. It's one that, that, that I'm sure Matt's come out with before on, on the podcast. Uh, it's a Winston Churchill quote where he says that, you know, success is managing to move from one failure to the next without losing enthusiasm. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. that <laughs> in, in many ways, that, that's what it's about, isn't it? Because we all come up oh. short sometimes. There's, there's the, anyone who claims that they've never lost at anything has never competed at any meaningful level. That's, 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 that's all that means. And we won't keep you for too much longer. But when you look at... It was interesting, actually, because there's, there's a group of fighters who... When, when we would talk about real records, who would immediately spring yeah. to mind, and, and you were always one. Derry was another, Derry Matthews. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I think we will probably request his company for this to talk about his fight with you, because if he'd, if he'd lost to yeah. you and he was expected to, then his career was over, basically. I think yeah. it's probably fair to say that, and you look at what he kicked on to achieve after that. But you'd also think of someone like Ricky Burns. He lost fights early on that... Seemingly marked out his level and look, and he's still going. Look at what he did. Stuart Hall would be another one. You know, between the four yeah. of you, I don't know. You've probably got about thirty defeats, maybe. But but that's yeah. that. But that that just shows you that's not it, that L column. It doesn't. That is not what defines yeah. you. And when when you look at, you know, you you're only just retired. But do you yeah. think that maybe now fighters are are too reluctant? to take the kinds of fights that that you took at, at crucial stages, that, that the yeah, other fellas with, I mentioned there took at crucial stages? Without a doubt, I think. Uh, but I do think now that lads are, and I think Matt will know sort of, well, me, I know you, you, you had like decent fights early on, but I remember a bit back, it used to be sort of common knowledge. You'd have 20 learning fights, you know, they're saying 20 to learn, 20 to learn. You'd never ever get 20 learning fights now, would you? Do you know what I mean? 20 learning fights. There'll be stress on it. Everyone was 15 and old, 17 and old. You don't, you don't get that now, I think. You win your first 10, you're in some kind of fight, aren't you then? Yeah, I think, you know, there was a lot of guys who were, who were good fighters, but, you know, I don't know, people like Michael Jennings, Tommy McDonough, yeah. Gary Luckett, you know, they were like 26 and 0 in that, but they haven't yeah. really fought anyone, and then all of a sudden yeah. they're thrown in with a Miguel Patton with a Kelly Pavlik. And they're out of the depth. They haven't, they haven't gauged the gap. You know what I mean? They've got a yeah. 20 journeyman and learnt nothing. You know, where Crylo and me took those risky fights. Yeah, we did, you know, lost a couple we shouldn't have or whatever. Yeah. But 
Look, look, look where we got in the end because we yeah, we learned. I think it was learning fights as well, wasn't there? They weren't just fights where we go. You know what I mean? It was learning fights where you took a lot from us. That seems like uh, a good place to leave it. And actually, just before we go, just just fill us in with what's 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 going on with with Fox because I know uh, the the amateur club, the club where you started, the club where you do some coaching. Yeah. Because I know there was a fire. Um, I saw some things being auctioned online to try and to try and raise raise some money because yeah. it's it, the, the, the amateur clubs are it's interesting at the minute. Everybody's talking about oh when will pro boxing return or behind yeah. closed doors and oh how are we going to make it happen TV that that that's not you know as much as we love it because that's where we that's where we work and make a living. What is yeah. absolutely crucial to the to the survival of the sport is that the clubs can get back up open. Uh, and get the kids back in again, and and obviously Foxes, wow, it's been a double whammy. There's there's the fire, and then there's the the current crisis. I mean, how how are things? So well, obviously, I told you didn't it? it was it was my I got the gym, I got the gym because otherwise it was going to move out somewhere to not to live to train. I got the gym so they had you know something to. And I, I'd like to have always they going throughout the pro career. I've always been there a few times a week and stuff like that. And like I say, people say, oh, it's nice to give back. But I'll be honest as well, I get massive satisfaction out of seeing, you know, some of the kids come in the gym and how they change and, you know, start doing well. And that gives me sort of a lot of satisfaction. But currently we're um, looking for a new home and I've, we've sort of, we've found somewhere, it's not far from the old gym, but it'll take a lot of, a lot of work uh, to turn into a boxing gym. But uh, I'm confident we can get there, you know, like say, well, it's just one of them. I think when something like that happens in the boxing community, the amount of people who got in touch and said, listen, you need to, you know, locally, you need to use that gym, you're more than welcome. Um, and that was, you know, that's really nice, really nice of them. And by the time, we don't know how long this is going to go on, but... So it'll be a few months before we get this place, and then it's going to take a few months of work. So there might be a time where we have to use another gym for a bit. But it's just we we'll get that, and I, I swear, like we'll I'll make sure it comes back bigger and better than ever. But it I just see it as another fight without sounding cheesy. You know, part of a career where you can either sit back now or feel sorry for yourself. I'll just go out there now, get the gym back, and there's there's a lot of kids who are depending on us. So in the area, it's not the best area and stuff like that. So they're missing it like that. They want to be back in there. And more than more than anything now, it's just about getting this place sort of confirmed, which, which we almost have. And um, then it's about starting work on it, starting work on it and getting the kids doing about what they love and, and building a successful club. Well, best of luck with it. Um, best of luck with Thank it, and best you, of mate. luck to best of luck to all amateur clubs out there as well. Because, uh, yeah, as I said, we, we we talk about oh, when will we see boxing on TV, and we talk about the top end of the sport, but we all know where the real power base is, and that's that's with the clubs, that's with you yeah. know, weekday nights, getting people that's in through the doors, boys, girls, men, women, just just bringing. Exactly, exactly. So anyway, thanks for your time. This was this was great. Um, no, you, thanks for having us, you, you are absolutely yeah, the right sure. person to to kick this off, and we've got a few more in mind. I think Derry's definitely got to be on the list. Um, there's yeah, a couple Derry's of others. Like say, Derry's had a few. Like say that night, look, that's it. It's weird, doesn't it? Staples and then 
even in fights like you, Tommy Coyle fights, where he was, there's not a chance it looked like he was going to win it for the shout. He had his first few nights as well, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And those, those are the nights that really, that you know, really interest me. The, the world title fights are brilliant, but but you just know yeah. that in almost every single case, unless your career has gone perfectly, and it does for some people, they they have a stellar amateur career and then they're they're well matched yeah. and everything goes as it should. But in most cases, you know that before they've got to that big night, there was a supposedly lesser night that if it ha- if they hadn't done the business on that night, then what you're watching here now would never be happening. Would never have happened. Would um, never have happened. And that's... You mentioned the Morris fight. I remember now, it's a great memory. I remember getting an English title. It wasn't the nicest looking belt, but it got through the JD bag in the car. And I remember just thinking about like a Levi belt, but... It was the pride and joy at the start, you know what I mean? But, you know, when you win it again, then you look at it and you're thinking, oh, what a lovely belt that is. But they're the nights you need. They're the nights you need, aren't they? I don't know. To make who you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, Anthony, thanks very much. Great great to talk to you. Oh, boys, nice one. Uh, Matt, good to, good, good, good to chat as always. And we'll, we'll keep yeah. these coming on Macklin's Take. Um bringing you some lockdown bonuses as well, which people seem to be enjoying. And we'll get stuck stuck into this because I think this, this, this theme is going to put a lot of, a lot of wind in our sails over the next, over the next few weeks. We don't really know when we'll be able to sit down face to face with, with people again, as soon as we can responsibly do that, we will, because we always make the effort to do that. It's just, it's just easier and a bit more fun when you've got everybody um, actually in person. But um, at the moment, this is the way it has to be. And, we hope you're we hope you're enjoying these as always and we'll be back again soon. And Lucy Brown. Yes, that line falls on the right babe. Not that Maggie's back in Podcast Network.